Here's my like secret, not secret goal. I have always wanted to have a movie made. So for 26 years now, I have been studying screenwriting for 26 years. I've had one script out there that's been optioned twice and is currently back on the market, but I have only ever had one script on the market. So you guys, I'm telling you like the truth, truth. Now I've been a story analyst in Hollywood. I've opined on hundreds of scripts with tens of thousands of characters, but this is about me putting a story that I've created out there and, and having it made. Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Welcome everyone. Today we have a very special episode for you with a returning guest, Christina Pater, referred to by friends and colleagues as KP. She's a world-class storyteller, screenplay writer, speech writer, writing coach, and best-selling author of The Hollywood Approach. The Hollywood Approach is not only a book and a masterclass, but it combines the art and neuroscience of storytelling to help people achieve their wildest dreams. If you haven't listened to the first episode, please do. It really talks about, we dive into the concepts of the Hollywood approach. But today, we have something extra special for you. We're going to do a real life, unrehearsed, dual coaching session using our flossomeness to help us both get past goals that we have been personally struggling with. It's very raw, it's vulnerable, it's fun, and we laugh and tease each other a lot. And we're doing this for you, our listeners, so that you can also apply the same learning and unveiling of what is keeping you from achieving your wildest dreams. So this episode's a little bit different because we're actually applying what she talks about in the book of The Hollywood Approach. But we're about to get past some of our own personal roadblocks without each other even knowing what those roadblocks are before we got on the call today. So... Let's let the vulnerability begin. So welcome back, KP. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. We're going to have a lot of fun today. We certainly are. So KP, you mentioned in your last episode about the Hollywood approach and how that translates to our personal and business goals, which as women entrepreneurs, we are always setting goals and there's no shortage of, of goals in business, right? So you also mentioned flossomeness, which I completely gravitated towards. And the minute you said it, I knew I needed to know more about that. So let's, before we dive into the flossomeness, which is going to be a big chunk of our show today, I want, I would like you to remind the listeners of what the Hollywood approach to goal setting is. Sure. The Hollywood approach is a system of thinking and planning and action taking that puts you in the center of your life as the protagonist of your story. It helps you visualize, make decisions, take actions as the heroine of your own story 
using the same exact tools that I use when I work in Hollywood and when I'm writing a movie to write a heroine's actual story. So it's a lot of fun. And there's also rigor and science behind it, as well as uh, wisdom from shaman and medicine people from around the world. So I love that piece. It's not just write down some goals and then write down your action steps. There's some science between that. It's It has to do with even your own inner mental space. Absolutely. There's science and there's play. I think that is something sometimes when we get really hooked on our <laughs> on our business and we get our we get our claws in there we're you know like got our trainers on and we're just bolting down the street <laughs> or down the path we sometimes you know sometimes we just are so focused on that goal we forget to have fun and that can be a part of it and the science shows that when we have fun we're more successful. Well, I love that. Well, then I should be very successful because I always have fun. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I think you are very successful. So that. <laughs> Maybe that is the key. <laughs> Sounds like it is. Bye, science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, one of the other things, uh, the very first time that we spoke, I don't even know if it was in the in the first recording, might have been in one of our chats, but um, you had mentioned flossomeness, and I immediately was like, I need to know what that is because it sounds like something that I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> I loved it. Yes. yes. Can you explain what flossomeness is and how you came up with it? Sure. So flossomeness is the highly scientific uh, calculation of our flaws plus our awesomeness. Um, I did not come up with the term. I saw it on a meme and I loved it and, and attached to it because so part of this is because with the as a screenwriter, as a Hollywood screenwriter, one of the key things that we need to do to create an interesting character arc is to understand what that character's, what the main character's key flaw is and how they need to overcome that flaw in order to achieve the goal of the story. Okay. And so flawsomeness is part of what I talk about in my book in the section on character DNA. So in business, like even if, even in our marketing, we always, we're always talking about our strengths, right? In marketing, of course, um, we're talking about our superpowers, which is the second element of character DNA. But if we only talk about all the good stuff, that only leaves us with a very, that leaves us with a very flat two-dimensional character. So in order to be, in order to present our business as a three-dimensional character and, and in order to understand ourselves, as a three-dimensional character, we have to understand our flaw and how it inhibits us from achieving our goal. And when we do that, we become a more dimensional, more realistic person for someone, person or business for someone to understand, to get to know, to get to like and trust. And the same is true in movies. So we just, you know, have different ways, different constructs of language for different, of course, aspects of the way we do things. But um, it's a lot of fun to apply this to life and also to business. So I'm pleased to be talking about flossomeness today. The other thing that flossomeness does is it really speaks to the duality of our own character, like the true duality. Like, And and as we get into this conversation, we'll see. um, And I can give an example um, of a movie character that we probably all know and love. You know, just because we're maybe not great at one thing doesn't mean we're not great at the other. Or just because it's a flaw in the pursuit of one goal 
and might be an absolute asset in another situation. So it can be situational. It can be based on the goal we're pursuing. And that's why it's really important to try to open ourselves up to that discussion. I love that. And I've heard that in relationships too, right? The thing that you love about your significant other is also the thing that you hate. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe hate's a strong word, but like their strength is also, or one one of their weaknesses is also a strength. Exactly. You just have that duality. Exactly. And so this is how we can, you know, when we start to crack this open for ourselves, and especially as we're in in pursuit of a goal, the more, you know, I just think the more self-knowledge, the better off we can be and the more we can work with what we have and embrace it and not, you know, just not push things away or try to ignore things or, you know, shove it into a dark hole or something like that. Yeah. Self-awareness and being able to be vulnerable, it sounds. Yep. Which we're going to do today. Yes, we are. (laughs) We've agreed to do it. We agreed (laughs) to do that. So listeners, what we are going to do for you is... Uh, we're actually going to apply the flossomeness um, into our own lives. And KP has no idea. She asked me for one challenge to to work through or one goal and to identify my flossomeness. Um, and she's going to do the same. And we did not discuss with each other. So it's actually sort of true workshop, true dual coaching, which I thought would be fun for everyone listening. Before we go into my challenge, can you relate it to something that everyone listening would know? You talk about the movie. So is there a movie where we can see that flossomeness in in action? Yes. So I would invite listeners to think about any movie um, because every it's a big focus on Hollywood in Hollywood right now and in Hollywood storytelling is addressing the flaw, actually. Um, but it's not new. It's just something that I happen to know screenwriters are talking about. Um, So the character's main flaw should be apparent in any movie you know and love. And to give you an example, I love the example of Erin Brockovich because she's so well-known. She's such a lady badass. Um, Mm -hmm. And we just, she's such a powerhouse. And so sometimes what looking at movie characters allows us to do is kind of like calms our nervous system and say, oh, even Jason Bourne or Aaron Brockovich or Maverick or all these people also have flaws. It's okay. And makes us a little more, makes the water a little more warm for us to dip our toe in. So in the opening scene of Aaron Brockovich, we, with starring Julia Roberts, Academy Award winner for that role. Mm -hmm. um, Great movie. Yes. Such a great movie. And uh, we see Aaron's flaws right away. We see him right away. Like she's in the job interview. Uh, She talks too much when she's nervous. Uh, She's not formally educated, although we can see she's wicked smart and a hard worker. She dresses more for a girl's brunch or a happy hour date than a job interview at a medical facility. And throughout the story, we learn that she can also be brash and hot tempered. Mm-hmm. So if we consider for a moment how this affects her outcome in her goal. So her goal in the beginning is to get a job, uplevel her life and afford a life for her children. She's underemployed, perhaps unemployed at the very beginning. And then once she like schlimdoozles her way into the <laughs> law firm, into that job at Ed Masry's law firm, and she learns about the case of people in Hinckley being um, medically affected by the bat poor water there, 
this becomes like, and so we know not only from this movie, from this hour and a half or so we're in the movie, but we know from what she's doing now, some 20 some years, like 25 years later, this becomes her life mission to have clean water everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we go back and we look at her flaws and we're like, hmm, uh, do we want someone brash and hot tempered calling people out who are doing nasty, gnarly things? Uh, yeah, we totally do. Like, that's great. We love that. But then when she's kind of in the office and in her office, is she making a lot of friends? Do things go smoothly? When Ed Masry brings in another law firm because they realize the case is way bigger than they initially thought, like, does the brash and hot tempered work in her favor in those scenarios? Mm, little, not really. I don't know. Like you can you could actually debate it because there are scenes where it doesn't go so smoothly. But also we love her. <laughs> we just we just love her and everyone out. So um I think know, part so, of us all want to have that little bit of that in yeah, us. We do. Like, oh my god. Yeah, to so be able do. to say like, yeah, some of the, the brassness that she has. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so we just see though, in some cases it sort of slows down the outcome, um, or has kind of a different outcome. And does she, does she shift it in the, you know, in the end? So that, that, that can be like a much larger discussion of what we see, how we see it, how she's treated, um, and so forth throughout the movie because of these, I'm using finger quotes now because of the flossomeness here. Okay. That makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Um, I know you have uh, some masterclass and you work with a lot of business women who are also working through their flossomeness and, yes. and goal setting in business and in personal life. Do you have some examples that our listeners might relate to from without naming names, obviously, but like situations where you see maybe common or uh, yes. just suggestions? One of the most common things that has come up and, and, and women will say it in different ways. They'll, they'll say it in different ways or it'll present in slightly different ways. But the theme around it is <laughs> we don't like to ask for help. We don't ask for help. We don't ask for, mm-hmm. we don't want to ask for the help we need. We don't want to ask for the help we could use. We don't, we don't need anybody's help. <laughs> I, I had one, we, I had one woman who told me she feels like she's cheating. Interesting. I'm like cheating at what? Your own business. <laughs> and so what what opening the door of this discussion is, is it really she's like, Yeah, I know. And we laughed about it. And she's like, I know, it doesn't really make sense. And I'm like, what if you thought you were cheating the clients who really need you, the people who need your guidance? Um, her hers in particular was around hiring an assistant. And this was, um, I think this was four years ago when I was working on the book. I was teaching the masterclass to test the exercises that I prescribe in the book. And um, so she did them and she came up with, yeah, I realize I'm really resistant. I just won't ask for help. And I feel like getting an assistant to write my book and to take my business to the next level um, is cheating. She's just like, I don't know. I just, it's this belief. I think it's cheating and I can't do it right now. And so it's like, okay. So um, then what I, I usually do is I craft like just really personal exercises to try to break that apart, to almost like write through it, but also like think through it too. Um, there was another woman who was a lawyer and she wanted to be like a real estate investor and wasn't really sure what to do next. And she also didn't want to, I said, okay, well, what if you wrote a nice email? <laughs> She's like, well, should I offer something back? And it's like, 
you don't have, you know, you can, there's just like a way to ask for everything. Right. And it's like, you don't have to, you know, you know, I have to someone give. your house in order for them to give you an hour of their time for information. They also can say no. Um, but it was interesting because it came up with several more people. Um, but I will say the first woman, <laughs> we ran into each other again this past year in a, in a group that we're both in. And she's like, KP, guess what? And I'm like, what? And she's like, I have two assistants now and my book is done and it's coming out this September and blah, and on and on. And, and I was like, how did you do it? And she's just like, I, you know, she did the work around it, right? She explored it. She cracked it open. You know, she, I think I probably, I imagine I probably gave her a, um, a writing invitation exercise to write about other times she asked for help and it ended up you know, being for the greater good and stuff like that. But um, this is a really interesting thing. And I know personally, I don't like to ask for help either. So sometimes even that knowing, common. And, right? Sometimes knowing that and even just putting that out in the sunlight just kind of goes, well, should I not get my, you know, is this really the one thing standing between me and success? Mm -hmm. What if it is? Are you willing to rethink that? Yeah. And I think asking that question backwards, right? What is standing between me and ridiculous big goals, big success? Like the sky's the limit. I do that a lot of times if you had a magic wand, but it's hard to ask yourself that magic wand question. Yeah. Sometimes what would your goals be? That. Mm -hmm. It is hard to do that without somebody prodding you along the way, which is why what we're doing today is going to be so, <laughs> so successful <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm excited. I'm not not as excited to share mine with the world, but I am super excited to hear what your goal is. <laughs> Vulnerability makes us grow people. <laughs> All right. So should we should we dive into that? I think those are some great examples of the flossomeness in action. Yes. Yeah. Let's go ahead and dive in. So I think the most um, useful way is to understand what your goal is so, so that the listeners understand too. What is the goal? What's your goal? And what do you think is the number one flaw or flawsomeness standing in your way from achieving that goal? Okay. So I also um, just spoke to someone that you know, actually, on the uh, big, beautiful goals, big, gorgeous goals, Julie, big, gorgeous goals, mm -hmm. um, and made me think of it. So very much goal oriented this week. And I thought, what is my, what is my biggest goal, especially around this podcast? And, you know, I'm thinking I'm 50 this year. So I'm Woo! thinking, yeah, I know. I think it's actually the greatest section of my life. I'm super excited to turn 50. Not many people say that, but I am. Yeah. I think um, more and more people are saying that though. And yay to us. Yeah. yeah. Kids are out of the house. Woohoo. <laughs> Life starts again. <laughs> um, so I, I went extra big too, because I give the same advice. So I took my own advice and thought, well, you know, my original goal that I set a couple years ago was someday I wanted to be on a stage and talking in front of women and sharing my expertise and sharing um, things that will help them, just like this podcast, right? And my number was like 500 people. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. So after thinking about it this week, I thought, why 500? Why can't I be in a group of 1,000? <laughs> <laughs> Keynote speaker for 1,000 entrepreneur women is my big, hairy, audacious goal. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, so it's <laughs> sort of in that realm of 
not asking for help. I don't have as big of an issue with asking for help. I think it's because conceited is one of those traits I don't like in other people. (laughs) And so when I say, hey, you should hire me or you should ask me to go speak in front of your group, I hear myself say it's all about me. And that's the block that I've always had. So like Mm -hmm. I, I was successful in my business because I was part of a franchise. So in my brain, I shifted it to it's not me. It's I'm doing good for the whole franchise, (laughs) you know, I'm doing like you had said for one of your people, I'm doing good for my customers, but it is a hard shift. It is like a actual thing that I hear myself say when I'm wonderful and you should hire me to come and speak to your group of women hurts my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Although I'm wonderful and you should hire me. I know that. And it will be life-changing for the people in the audience. It's just for me to ask that or tell someone that is my struggle. Very interesting. Well, I do think that's a bit of a Midwest thing as well, because I, it's really interesting working with people from all over the world. There's a lot of really humble people, but and humble people tend to be the people that find me um, for whatever reason, right? And so these mm-hmm. are the kinds of things they will say. It's like, well, I want to do this. I want to help all these people, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> so there's the That's duality. It's the selling of myself. And I've said that for years. If I can sell anything for anybody else, if I believe in their product or their service, I'm a great salesperson. Can't sell for myself. So okay. I, sh- I shouldn't say can't. I can do anything I set my mind to. It's a struggle. Nice work. Okay. Thanks. So initially you said your hesitation or your, your flaw to get there was, I don't want it to be about me. But I'm now hearing a slightly different vein of this, which is I don't want to sell myself, like the resistance of selling yourself. That's which pretty much yeah. Do you think it's more about the resistance of selling yourself? And I want to just, I, I just want to call this out because this kind of discussion for the listeners, this is why it's really helpful to talk this through with a partner or friend, because you really want to get to the core, core clarity of that number one thing. And you can see how these two are very related and probably sit right next to each other in your brain. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be about me. And I, I feel resistant. I'm resistant to sell myself and, and that you can, we can see how those are two are related, but which one do you think it is more? I think the selling myself sits right above that, or at least it has definitely in my past. Okay. But let's talk about you and let's talk about selling yourself because I think this is very thematic too. It's like, we don't want to shine the light on ourselves. We don't want to feel like we're stealing the spotlight or bragging or these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And one of the key, one of the key things I learned as a, as a writing coach for TEDx Cambridge for several years is that one of the things I found that we said over and over to speakers on that stage was it's actually not about you. It's, it's about how you're serving the audience. And so it's something that I say, and I know a lot of my speaking coaching colleagues say as well, that really calms people down. It's like, don't even think about. And so I'm not telling you what to think about or whatever now, but just saying that as a theme, this is thematically like a big thing across um, people early in their speaking careers that they must focus on the audience um, because that's what they're there to do. 
Like as a speaker, you are there to be in service of the audience. And so I think this to me sounds like a, um, I would, I would also ask you the question of how does this present? So let's talk about how long has this been a goal and how does, what does this look like in your, let's say quarter to quarter or year to year or week to week life? Like how does this resistance to selling yourself keep you from pursuing a spot on the stage? I don't, you know, that's a good question. I just look back at some goals um, from 2020 that I wrote because I was helping a girlfriend with, she stopped setting goals in her life. And I was like, well, I've got the perfect worksheet for you. <laughs> so um, I just looked back at it and, and it was on there from 2020. So I'm probably good. It was probably on there on my list subconsciously or maybe low on the list, probably in the last five years. Okay. So five years. And so is it something like, how does it show up for you? Is it something that you are like, do you find, do you see potential opportunities when you're in conversation with people or have you had ideas where you're like, oh, that would be a place I would love to speak. And have you stopped yourself from pursuing it or is it different? Is it more just like, this is sort of a dormant goal back there and I'm, you just, is it lack of, is it complete lack of action or ideas or is it, um, is it like you see them, but then you hold yourself back? I haven't held myself back. Matter, self, matter of fact, I gave myself permission not to do one I was asked for, which I felt pretty empowering. Um, it, it was uh, five years ago. It was a goal for the future, like later mm-hmm. on in my career um, type of thing. So I'm getting closer to that now. Uh, so it wasn't like I wanted to do it five years ago. It was just like, this is something I'm always building goals far in advance. That is just my natural personality and expertise. That's part of my awesomeness (laughs) (laughs) Um, is definitely good at setting goals for myself and with others. And so I just want to pause and call out to listeners. Like, do you see how much we're really discussing this and like picking apart the threads and trying to understand the context around it, the conditions, the desire, the goal, all of that, because I think that's really important. Sometimes we think this is just like, um, I love my fill in the blank worksheets, but sometimes we think it's very simple as filling in the blank when it really takes just a little, a little more discussion and not, you know, not like 10 sessions or something, but just in this 10 minutes, we've or a few minutes, we've unpacked a little more information about this for you. So let me ask you this question. Um, do you have, do you have like a topic and a keynote speech, like brief prepared that you could hand somebody and be like, I have this keynote and I'd love to it's give it to you. It's in draft for a while. Okay. <laughs> oh, so that might be a roadblock. <laughs> yes. You know, it's never, it was never good enough. So I have started it and have not published it. <laughs> All right. Um, because, yeah. you know, like some of the assets you need when you're doing a keynote speech would be um, a talk description, yep. talk description, headshot, maybe maybe just a, a lot of meeting planners like to have a one pager on it that describes the talk and what kind of stuff is in there. Um, so that might be something to consider. That's, that's a great question because I'm like laughing right now knowing that, okay, there it is. <laughs> can't really do that. Like that's the thing. Once I have that done, then there's no reason to go to the next level, which is the next step is the scary step where then I have to put myself out there. 
Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. I wonder what would it take? Here's a great question. By the way, I look forward to you just flinging all of this right back on me when I'm just like, ah. I know, I'm like, can't wait for her. <laughs> Um, what would it take? What do you think it would take for you for it to be less scary to share that future talk description, near future talk description with other people and say, Hey, this is my bucket. This is on my bucket list. Uh, I don't like to disappoint other people, KP. So if you tell me I have to give it to you by a certain date, I probably would. (laughs) All right. Tina. I just, I just realized that as you asked me, I, I, yes, if someone asked me for it, I would have it done in a heartbeat. Okay, it's it's me. I'm satisfying myself, so that's why it's not as important. I'm going to email you later with a deadline. (laughs) I'm going to email you later with a deadline, and as a developmental editor and speech coach, you're going to get some feedback on it, so that it's ready, so that it's ready for prime time, and then, yeah. So that, so I, that is one of my things. Like if someone else needs something from me, I am there hundred percent. If I need something, obviously I'm down on the priority list. So for me, it's what, there was no urgency in it. Oh, great. We're going to talk about this next with my flossomeness, but that's something to look at in, in the flossomeness deck as well as why can't you be your priority or what would it take for you to make this a top priority to get this talk description done and out to eight people by December 31st, 2023? That sounds like a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Might be in that email that I'm going to get from you later. (laughs) But I think those are questions we can all be asking ourselves. We really can. We can all ask ourselves these these questions all the time, like and and look at it. Just try to look at it objectively. What would it actually take to do that? 
and yeah. not, not starting with, I don't want to, or, oh, guess what? I have this other paid project, or I could take this week off instead, or whatever the thing is, everybody, because I have it, and I know all of you have it too. But just really objectively going, what would it take to do that? Yeah, I think actually one of my strengths is goal setting. And just like this podcast, it was on my list last year. I didn't make it a priority. So I paid experts to help me with it. And once I paid for it, I was like, it's it's being done. Okay. Because why, why would you pay for something and not do it? But I knew that I needed to do something like that in order to make it a priority. And here we are today. Exactly. And in Hollywood, we call that your allies. And we look at the main character and we go, what allies is this main character going to need in order to get on that stage sometime in 2024? So if you're like, "Eh, I'm not going to write it unless someone tells me, okay, well, now you just got someone telling you (laughs) what your deadline (laughs) is. Congratulations, I think. And then then if it's, you know, like if, if if the resistance is getting it out there, like, reaching out to eight people, you know, and I'm sure you have, I'm sure with what you do, you definitely have a network and just starting that, just starting to have those conversations, like thinking about what would it take for you to do that, to, to get it to eight people? Do you need another deadline from somebody? Do you need somebody, you know, do you know who you need? And think about, think about the hilarious movie characters along the way. I mean, think about Aaron Brockovich and Ed Masry and how they were kind of like feisty with each other. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he made some comments to her at some point and she fired right back to him. And it's like, if you need like a crazy, ins- think about the character you supporting cast you need in this show to get you across that finish line now. And, you know, like, you know, your friends who can be hilarious or colleagues who can be hilarious and be like, Hey, could you, you know, keep me accountable for this? And I'd like, whatever, bi-weekly check-in, whatever it is for you, but like be thinking in those terms and also who, who's the personality and, and who could you ask and how could you ask that person? Like you could say to me or another friend, like, hey, could you bring your brash Aaron Brockovichness and, you know, ask where the hell am I document is or who I contacted this week or whatever. But it's like that. And that's the fun part. That's the gamifying of it. That's the, that's the playfulness of it. And, you know, have somebody that can, if it, if it helps you, like some people are helped when they, um, you know, when, when you have fun and you have somebody kind of making fun of, well, there's these empty stages. I wish you could be on them right now, you know, or these kind of things. Right. (laughs) And some people might not find that some people that might be too harsh for some people. Um, it's not too harsh for me. So it might be another, <laughs> like, right. So it might be another way. It's like, oh, there's five more years of empty stages. You could have been talking to all these people, you know, just, but, but think about who is that person? How are they talking to you? Are they soft and sweet and gentle? Are they a little, you know, funny and, you know, like your best friend in a buddy comedy or like what's happening there? And yeah. And how can it be the most fun? Like, how can you, I think the other question too, is like, how can you do this? Like, what is the most fun and crazy way you could see accomplishing this thing? The funny thing is, as you said, all that, it totally related me to exactly what we, what I I do as an advisor, what we do as Cultivate, right? It's accountability. And I have nobody holding me accountable to my own goals because I am the person who's holding me accountable. Although I am working on that. There's, I, I could, I can share that when you send me your email. Um, <laughs> some things that I have been doing this year to set me up for that, it's just slow. And I didn't have, I don't have a deadline. So 
Yeah. Um, but we literally ask that, like, how do you want to be held accountable to the clients that we work with? And what, what does that sound like? Like you just said, and setting goals and just making sure that we're making little progress along the way. So as you were saying that, like, yeah, that all makes sense. I do that every day with clients. Yeah. But I don't and do that with myself. Yeah. And do <laughs> you the goals. Them? Do the clients cast them? Because for me, I know for me, if it's like somebody where I'm like, I don't care. I'm just going to tell you I didn't get my writing deadline. You know, some people I'll just be like, you can accountability me all you want, but doesn't make me going to do it. Right. But like sometimes are some I, of those people, <laughs> when I really think about that, it's like who you have to get into your cast. This is the Hollywood approach, not the IRS approach. Get into your casting. Who is the person that is going to ask you the question that you don't want to say, oh, I didn't do it. For me, right. it's my niece. If I really want some accountability, I'll be like, can you please check in with me and blah, 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 and see if I did it? Or can I make a date with you to read? Um, last year, I was emceeing an event and I'm like to read my, rehearse my script or whatever I'm doing. But it's like when I see her sweet face and I think about her representing the whole next generation, do I want to show up and be like, no, I didn't do that? Uh, no, I do not <laughs> because then I'll feel like a complete jerk hole. So I just do it. Like, so I know if I want my shit to get done, there's just different people, right? And I also do like the really fun people and making fun of me in certain, like in certain ways. And sometimes the, the crazier, the better. I love that. And, and yeah, that's absolutely. I fear what I've just invited in with that comment, right? <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I know. And now I just held myself accountable. And maybe subconsciously or even consciously, that might be why I brought this to the world now that everyone is listening and to you. I probably wanted more accountability on that. You know what? And another like super important step. So in in the pursuit of your goal of getting on the stage, like you've taken this big step of launching this podcast, which is talking and interviewing and putting yourself out there and promoting it. And it's no, it's no small task to build a successful podcast and put it out there. So let's everybody listening, not ever forget to overlook some of the related steps that we're taking around our goal. Right. Yep. I love it. Enough about me though, KP. Let's turn to you. <laughs> and really listeners, we are being vulnerable today because number one, vulnerability is key in business. Um, and number two, we just thought it would be a fun way to show you how to do this in real life versus just telling you about, hey, set some goals, have someone, you know, peel the onion with you. Um, so that's why we are going through our personal goals with you today. And now we're going to shift it finally the lights off of me, <laughs> which is part of my struggle. Um, and on to you. So KP, what is this goal? All right. So here's my like secret, not secret goal. I have always wanted to have a movie made. Okay. And so for 26 years now, I have been studying screenwriting for 26 years. I've had one script out there that's been optioned twice and is currently back on the market, but I have only ever had one script on the market. So you guys, I'm telling you like the truth, truth. Now I've been a story analyst in Hollywood. I've opined on hundreds of scripts with tens of thousands of characters, but this is about me putting a story that I've created out there and, and having it made. And so obviously you can't have a, 
a screenplay made if you've never shopped your own screenplay, which I have not done, not my own. The, 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 one, that, the one that I had some, uh, some heat on was with a partner. Okay. And so I currently have one that's in writing development. And I, if I showed you my board here, which I'm pointing to my right-hand side, I have a trilogy mapped out. And so my goal is to write that trilogy. Okay. How long does it take to write a trilogy? I have no idea because I've never done done a trilogy before. It usually, to write a screenplay takes usually two to three years of development. Okay. So you've got all the expertise. You're like the shoemaker's child helping everyone else do this except for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's totally me. So what is your flossomeness? What's the block? I think the block is... (laughs) this just feels so funny to say because like I literally am my own client right now. There's no guarantee it'll be worth the investment of my time. Isn't that true about a lot of things in life? Totally. (laughs) It's totally true. It's like when we talk about smart goals, I call it the achievability gap. The A in smart goals is achievability. It's like, can we actually sell this intellectual property and, or can we actually achieve any goal? And it's like Mm -hmm. the best stories are the people who say, I have no idea, or I think so, but I don't really know. Like that's how everyone starts. uh, I shouldn't say everyone, but so many people start their goals that way. I don't know if I can really do it. Not every single thing is in my control. Okay. But how much time? Do you have to write all three? I feel really compelled to write all three. I have three of them outlined so I could write them in either book or movie form. Which I've never written prefer? a novel. That's the other thing. Never written a not. Never wrote a novel. It's a little bit terrifying. <laughs> so, so what's the worst case scenario? Like, like I, I'm I'm a big like worst case scenario. Oh, so worst, worst case scenario, you take the time to write and it never gets published. I think worse than that would be investing because I do have the next two months, like ten days from now, I have two months sort of blocked off my calendar to do this writing and. I think Good to know. <laughs> see, I see a deadline coming, people. I knew it would come back. I knew it would come back. Um, and and then I, I won't be far from you during these this time. So there can be like house house arrest check ins. Exactly. Great. Find you. <laughs> dual, dual house arrest check ins. Um, I think worse would be like, and I think this is all just fear talking. By the way, like I'm I'm aware, but I'm not like really getting around the corner of it just yet. Worse would be like investing these two months and stopping. I hate the starting stopping. One thing I'm always talking to clients about is just like write like your hair is on fire. So you have at least, even if it's a shitty first draft, it's a cohesive shitty first draft. And then you can go beyond it. You can't edit something that isn't written. Say that all the time. You've been listening to my conversation. (laughs) No, but it makes sense. People get it down. (laughs) So could you write the, could, could you, I mean, a trilogy is three, obviously. So could you do the first and see how that goes? Would you be satisfied with that? And if not, then maybe you do have to write all three. Yeah. Well, I wrote the shitty first draft of one of them last year. And then I talked to my mentor about it and realized it was three. I realized it was two. And then I realized it was three. So you're one third done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. But again, let's go back to the fear of worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, you invest these next couple of months writing 
the the second or the third and what it, and then it just sits there sits. for another year and i lose momentum i don't know is that the worst case what is the what is actually the worst case scenario hmm yeah i think the worst case scenario is i just keep talking about it and i do like kind of half ass things and i keep not prioritizing my work and i just ultimately don't do it i didn't ask you why you want this I think in 26 years, that's probably changed a lot. I think when I started, I just thought it would be really cool. Mm. Now, I still think it would be cool. The trilogy is more uh, message-based. So it's really about shining a light on panic attacks and what happens. But in a, I don't want to say a fun way, but in a more entertaining way, then that education is sort of built in there. So there's, there's a piece of that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm super clear on my why anymore. I do think it it would, I I just think it's, it's one of those, I don't want to say bucket list, but it's like, I just, I want to do it. And sometimes I can't explain why, like, I just want to, I just, I just want to be like, I, I wrote a movie once or actually it will be many times, but I wrote, I wrote a movie that actually got made. But you shared some of your panic attack in, uh, story in your book. Mm-hmm. So is the reason that you want to do the trilogy to help other people kind of embrace that? Yeah. So by not doing this trilogy, you're actually not allowing other people to know your story in detail. Right. And, and not... It's a disservice to all those people out there with panic attacks. Yeah. Oh, look what she did there. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the things that <laughs> How dare I really... you not give them this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was a question that that worksheet that I referred to that I just um, shared with a, a girlfriend of mine. Um, one of the questions, interesting enough, was what do you want to be known for when you're gone? Ooh. A lot of heavy thinking on this on this podcast. Today. <laughs> I know it comes to, I think it's a lot of heavy thinking, but I think also we should like we should all be like required to just answer what comes to us and then like edit later or add to it later because otherwise we might never like my 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 um reaction is like oh let me write let me journal on that and get back to you but I think um if I could be known as something it would be like a hilarious adventurer and I don't know I think a lot of things like a helper of people an advocate of people well and that advocacy is um you know, if you had your trilogy, you'd be an advocate for people with panic attacks long after you're gone because you would have this footprint here. Mm. We're both nodding at each other. (laughs) (laughs) No one can see that. Like, mm. Like, mm. We both have similar roadblocks in the fact that, you know, it's, it's it's something you wanted to do. It's something I wanted to do. If we don't do it, no one knows they're missing it. But if we do do it, it's ridiculously impactful to so many, so many people. Yeah. And don't you think yourself too? Like, what does it mean for to sure. you? Like I could ask myself the same question. What does it mean to me to do this goal that is kind of a big fat dare? Really? Yeah. No one's making me do it unless you come to my house. <laughs> In the next couple of months while you're here. And vice versa. Um, but what does it mean to you like to stretch yourself and to like to take that leap and like open yourself up to the next thing? And I think too, like for your career, career wise, same for me. Like, what is that? What doors does that open for you? 
if you mm-hmm. get on that stage in front of a thousand women and serve them like with the help that only you, the unique message and the new, the unique things that only you can share. Yep. The uh, it's exactly. It's not about me. I don't need to be on stage. It's really the helping piece. And I confirmed that when I look back at that, um, written goal sheet, uh, because it, the answer to my question on that is it was something to the point of, I don't know that I need to be known for any one particular thing. I just, at my funeral or after I'm gone, I want a lot of people to say, she helped me with this, or she really did this for me. And it can be one thing for a lot of people. It doesn't have to be a million things for 10 people. Mm-hmm. I just want to have impact on specifically, you know, entrepreneurs. When so, I when I hear you say that, I hear like such a more grounded, like a truly grounded reason that will sustain you through taking action and making decisions about this goal. Yeah. I'm very goal oriented. Yeah. I need that accountability from you. Apparently. <laughs> and, and frankly, all the listeners know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe that's uh, also part of it. We just put it out to a lot of listeners in the universe. So yeah. it'll be nice to check back in. And uh, maybe we'll have to promise to do that. Check back in on our goals now that we've yeah. shared them with the world. I think that would be great. <laughs> and I would love to invite listeners to really think about, think about what we just realized together today about the accountability piece and who is it and how are they approaching you? Like, it's not just a generic text. Like, you're not getting any generic t- text from me. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you do your goals today? Smiley face. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not going to be what you're hearing from me. Like, is that stage? <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to be painting the picture clear on. Um, but think about, like, I, I'd love to invite everybody to think about what kind of person do you need? What kind of character do you need? in accountability who, mm-hmm. and even if you don't, whether you know that person right now or not, or if it's a, I talk about, um, you know, if it's someone, you know, or not, or it's a TV personality or character or movie character, just try to think about who is that and what are they doing? Like, are they hilarious? Are they holding your feet to the fire? Are they both? Are they super visual or is it a quick generic text for you? Like whatever there is, um, I think thinking through that is, is a really valuable thing as well. Deadline for you, since I apparently have one, how long, if you, you know, focused on it along with the other things you have to focus on, you have one already in draft. What would it take for the second one to be in draft? Well, now that the one in draft actually spreads over, the one in draft is the middle one. I think I, I need to do some math on this, actually. I think I really need to sit down and do some math on this. But the quick math is the one, the second one spreads over to the first and the third. Um, Sounds like you got pieces of all three done already. I kind of do. But I, I think what I, I think one of my goals would be to write like my hair is on fire all of August and September, six days a week, and give myself a goal like, a thousand words a day, or maybe like 1100, like I've got to push it. And I still have to decide if it's going to be in book or script form. All right. Uh, That's, I hear you. It's, uh, it's recorded now. It is recorded. And I think too, um, I think this is an important part too, is breaking it down to math. And so the math of it would be say a hundred, so 300 pages. 
And then I can break that down to a page goal for six days a week for however many weeks. Okay. Oh, geez. We say math, but that usually scares people, but that's just, that, that is just a metric. Mostly math, scare, mostly math would scare me too, until I started using it to set me free. And I think it really can set you free if you're, if you're somebody who uh, has an alignment with smart goals and you want the measurability. And also you want to figure out what the heck your plan is. Like you can't figure out the plan if there's no like actual specific measurable, tangible thing that you're putting out in a given time frame. Yes. And I always coach that too, that it's not just, oh, I'm going to do the thing by the date. That's somewhat measurable, but how are you going to do it? Right. Because you the know, thing like, is like how many a pages? blob, like a trilogy yeah. is just a blob of pages and you're like, but now if you're like, okay, it'll be 10 pages a week for all these weeks or whatever the thing is. I don't, I think it has to be more than that, but what, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yep. There's math to it. I love it. <laughs> There's math. There's math. <laughs> the finance queen. I love it. Yes. All right. So that was relatively pain-free. Uncom- uncomfortable, but no pain. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. I feel so much better now though, but thank you so much for that discussion because that for some reason I was really struggling with that, with the math problem and also the, like that decision. Well, there you go. And this again was in pursuit of helping other people peel their own onion and, and apply flossomeness to their own goals. So I hope you all enjoyed us being vulnerable and sharing each other's goals and we will probably come back here in a few months and uh, give an update on where we're at. That would be fun to do, like a kind of year in review or goal in review. And then what's next? Like, how did you do? Did you do the thing? Mm-hmm. What, where do you tweak to do the next thing? Yes. And we're both really good at holding other people accountable to their goals. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's ourselves that we challenge with. So if, if you need more help, I know you have your masterclass. Um, and I'll, I'll make sure we put your website and everything on there. Yes, for sure. And if you want to write a book or a script or a screenplay, I can definitely help you do, do yours <laughs> while Tina helps me do mine. <laughs> yes, that is awesome. Well, KP, I appreciate your expertise and your vulnerability today and making me be vulnerable and, and sharing with the world my goal. Um, and now I have someone that I can't let down and will be getting you <laughs> the information by the deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. It was a great discussion. Thank you as well. And I also hope people got some understanding about how a conversation like this can help you personally identify what's really stopping you and move around that, move through it. So what I, everyone needs to identify their flossomeness towards their goals. That's right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.